Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast and uh, you can catch uh, this program or past programs and uh, re-listen or share, whatever suits you. Don't forget to download the WFMD app. So you have everything literally right at your fingertips on your smartphone or other device. And uh, I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hope all is well with you and your family. Good program for you. A lot of interesting top stories, some unfortunate economic data. And also, you know, talk of the town. This isn't anything new. We've seen it um, coming up on two years now. Just chaos at the border. Um, you know, no rule of law there. You have uh, people literally walking in uh, at their leisure. You've got um, rapes, murders, uh, of course, all the fentanyl that's being made in uh, China by the Communist Chinese Party and then uh, brought into our country. And it now, of course, because of that, leading uh, cause of death for 18 to 45 year old white males is fentanyl overdose. Uh, probably even worse than what we've been told. So we're going to be talking about these sanctuary cities, the border crisis in general, the cost, the financial cost. Um, it's terrible. I mentioned the deaths and the rapes, um, sexual abuse, child trafficking. You know, they own all of that. That's on them. They can lie and misrepresent and take a picture of something that's not real and present it. Like what's uh, we know what's going on at the border. Um, I mean, what was it just a couple months ago? Fifty three people died all at one time in that tractor trailer being smuggled in. And then we're not even, you know, really going to have the time to get into the cartels that are literally making billions of dollars. But anyway, all of that, we're going to talk about the cost of the border crisis, the sanctuary cities. When you live in a sanctuary city. If you're a God-fearing, hard-working American paying your taxes, you know, you're just basically getting punched in the throat uh, from uh, elected officials in many cases. So uh, I'm going to have an expert in that area, uh, Miss Erin Dwinell. She's going to be joining me, and uh, we're going to go, you know, off to the races with what's really going on and the financial impact of uh, – of the border crisis. So what we saw this week, the hottest inflation in four decades is inflicting financial pain on a majority of us Americans as the cost of everyday necessities remains stubbornly high. And that was according to a new survey published by Gallup. Um, and, you know, I'm not a big person on polls and surveys, but they're all saying the same thing, whether they're looked at as left-leaning or right-leaning or whatever, they have to admit it. So about 56% of respondents said they are feeling the sting of price increases. That's up from 49% back in January and 45% in November. And um, the latest figure includes 12% of Americans who describe the pain as, quote, severe, unquote. So you see many Americans, especially lower income Americans, have been mainly affected from the beginning. And then it's just gotten worse and worse as this administration and Federal Reserve has let inflation run wild because that's exactly what they did. 
you know, you see these lower income Americans are still more likely to report severe hardships from these rising prices with 26 percent of those annual household incomes where it's less than forty eight thousand dollars say that this steep inflation is jeopardizing them being able to have just a standard lifestyle. This is happening here in America, along with so many other stupid and unnecessary things. Common method, uh, excuse me, methods to cope with higher prices, according to the survey, buying cheaper goods or generic brands, eating out less, buying fewer groceries, or growing their own food. Nothing wrong with that. Staying home and cutting down on entertainment expenses. Now, one of the things there that could slip by you and you might not be thinking about, staying home. We've seen gas prices go down uh, recently, but that begs the question why. It's not because of the strategic petroleum reserve, you know, doling out a million barrels a day. Doesn't really have anything to do with that. People have changed their lifestyle. Inflation is so hot and gas and diesel and electricity and apparel and food and everything else is so expensive that it's impacting energy costs already. Less demand. Obviously, businesses don't have to use as much uh, energy, right? That's unfortunate because there's not, you know, demand is starting to has has started and been waning. Um, so you always have to look at why something is actually uh, going down. We'll take it, right? I mean, lower gas prices, lower diesel prices, lower you name it is good. Um, but we also have to remember not to allow uh, others to condition us. As I used to say back in the Obama administration, to condition you to lower standards. Uh, just get used to it. Half a percent annual GDP growth, one percent, that's fine. That's the way it's going. That's the new normal is what they would say. Well, then the new administration came in and we were seeing three and four percent GDP growth, something they said we'd never see again. And then where are we now? Well, gosh, we're negative, right? Because of these just train wreck policies that they've put in place. So you've got all this inflation. What do they decide to do? Spend more money. Because of uh, the administration and other elected officials passing these spending bills and the Federal Reserve printing too much money, this is a, a two-pony show. It's not all just the administration. A lot of this is on the Federal Reserve, which will probably, as if you listened about a month ago, um, we had uh, Desmond Lockman on, uh, very intelligent, uh, been around to see a lot of Federal Reserve officials and, and whatnot over the years, saying that this will go down, this uh, Federal Reserve will go down as one of the worst in history, which I don't think you can dispute that. But anyway, all of this inflation, they come out and spend more money, including this stupid um, plan that, you know, that they called the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which was really just build back better, same pig, more lipstick. I mean, that's the way I look at it. That's really what it was. And what did that include? $80 billion of funding, new funding for the IRS. So Janet Yellen comes out this week, another one, epic failure um, as far and admitted it. You know, I'm not 
making anything up. She admitted in interviews that um, her judgment was very, very poor, and she didn't see what was coming with inflation and the downturn in the economy, along with Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, and many, many, many others. Well, that's your job. And you've got a gazillion people supporting you, and you can build a ton of models and be ready for things. And actually be proactive, not reactive, which is exactly what we see from the Fed right now. So, like I said, they decide $80 billion for the IRS. She's trying to sell this uh, this whole IRS thing this week. She was at a facility, an IRS facility, and she's saying that, you know, this is going this $80 billion is going to transform the IRS into a 21st century uh, agency and um, – it, you know, it, it's just going to be a great thing. Talked about enforcement. Uh, didn't go into the 87,000 IRS agents that they want to hire. But used the word enforcement. Okay, fair. I'll, you know, you can sneak sneak that in there. But you know what is interesting? All this talk from uh, Biden and, and uh, Yellen and all these others, how they're going to target the rich, the one percenters, um, corporations. Right. That's not true. They're not going to up enforcement on them because that's their donors. I mean, that's their paycheck outside of what we're already paying them. And by the way, there was a great piece, um, an analysis of tax data that came from Syracuse University. The IRS disproportionately targets low income Americans when it conducts tax audits each year. In fact, households earning less than $25,000 a year are five times as likely to be audited by the IRS than everyone else. Five times as likely. And you're for the little man? You're for the working class? No, you're not. Again, according to that study, more than half of the correspondents these audits that were initiated by the IRS last year, 54% of them involved low-income workers. Unbelievable. Try to sell that garbage. You're not, you're not the party of the working man, working class, working women. You know, this is just another failed, unfortunately, we're paying for it, taxpayer-funded bill uh, to make government, deep state, you name it, bigger. I mean, what have they spent? Almost $5 trillion total so far? And they wonder about inflation. I don't know if you remember, I guess it was about five or six months ago, maybe not that long ago, when a Fox reporter uh, with uh, White House credentials in the press room asked, uh, um, or made a comment, comment asked uh, Biden about, inflation and how this spending is going to impact it. Aren't you worried about that? And what did he say on that hot mic? Oh, listen to this dumb SOB. That's what he said. Who's the dumb SOB now? I think we all know. The U.S. unemployment rate may need to rise almost twice its current level in order to control the inflation that we've been talking about. So there's another report of researchers. It was a team of researchers from the International Monetary Fund. Uh, They published a paper 
said the jobless rate would have to grow from 3.7%, which is where it was at the end of August, to as high as 7.5% unemployment to reduce inflation. So not only are you crushing us with your policies and what and, and how they're causing and creating more inflation, this could lead to 6 million jobs lost. A loss of 6 million jobs on top of everything else. And is does that sound far-fetched? Well... About 50% of corporations across the country, 50% have said going forward they're planning on layoffs. 50%. So that could be a pretty ugly scenario. And then you have to wonder, well, who goes? Who's the first out the door? Is it seniority? Is it people that are, you know, making too much money? You don't know how the uh, management teams are going to determine that, but they're going to. Speaking of corporations, Disney CEO uh, Bob Chapek made no apologies for his company's campaign against uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and other conservative in Florida earlier this year. So uh, Chapek said that, look, you know, we stood our ground when it came to um, the argument about what's appropriate when it comes to a discussion of little kids of sexual or gender identity, including uh, in uh, students' classrooms. So, of course, when they had that pushback and uh, moral conservatives said this is stupid, you're not going to talk to our kids, our little young children – and grandchildren, whatever it may be, nieces and nephews, about this garbage. They're too innocent. They don't need to hear that. Well, Hollywood and Disney, you know, they tried to show their outrage. And, of course, then they had to lie with the bumper sticker that said, don't say gay bill, which it's not in the bill. So they had to make that up. And... um the CEO of Disney said that Disney's trying to be everything to everybody. Well, good luck with that. Um, you know, hopefully your shareholders are going to demand that you just do your job as best as possible to maximize shareholder return, to treat your employees well, keep people safe at the uh, parks that you have. That's what you need to do. Um, I mean, look, you're talking about these little kids being taught this stuff. That's child abuse. That's child abuse. They really should be 18 or older before they can manipulate and injure themselves, their bodies. Why? Because so many studies show that they grow out of these uh, feelings that they have. But if you're going to start cutting and injecting and all the other stuff at this young age, it'll become irreversible. Plus, you have to address the mental illness part of it. I think that's just fair to say that and and obviously to try to get something done in that area. So talked about all the spending a moment ago. We learned this week America's government debt, that's our debt, 
that we're responsible for because of their spending is on the verge of eclipsing $31 trillion for the first time ever. So I saw Treasury Department data that came out, showed the total, uh, the total national debt was $30.9 trillion, obviously on pace to hit 31. Maybe it's happening as I speak. New milestones right around the corner, right? We know that. David Ditch, a federal budget policy analyst at the Heritage Foundation, who's been on the program before, was saying, look, these entitlement reforms are urgently needed to get spending under control. That has to be done. But he also said right now there's no appetite for spending reductions. We hear absolutely none of that from the left in particular. And it's not all just the left. I've seen a lot of Republicans the last uh, year and a half, two years, really mess things up as well. And hopefully they're going to lose if they're up for reelection. And don't let the door hit you in the tail, right? Get out, be gone. Go get your payoffs that you sold your soul for with your voting records. It's got to change. We really, really, really need to make a big, big difference in November for the midterms. And then not only have that success, but push and make sure that what everyone told us that they were going to do, that they do. Um, Because this this administration is all about overreach, period. Uh, and, And again, I mean, you look at people just struggling with or from as a result of their policy decisions. U.S. consumers added a total of $67.1 billion in credit card debt just during the second quarter, just in three months. People are putting more, they're forced to put more on their credit cards because of the high prices due to inflation. There, There's many studies that people are only paying the minimum balance you know, that'll get it, you know, get you in trouble. And um, then some people are actually taking out new credit cards to help with the old credit cards that are maxed out or to make a payment. I mean, it's just, this is terrible. That's hard data. In just three months, you saw all of that debt added, credit card debt, $67.1 billion dollars. Um, I'm not even going to get into the oil price stuff right now. I talked a little bit about it. It's because it's gone down because of, um, um, demand destruction, basically, uh, and people having to change their habits because of this crazy inflation that we're dealing with. But just take a quick peek when you get a chance across the pond, see what's going on over in the European Union. They had an emergency meeting. Uh, the uh, energy ministers of the European Union. And um, they're basically saying, look, you've got to cut uh, natural gas consumption to their citizens. They're saying this cut natural gas consumption by 15 percent starting this fall, running through the winter. Literally, people will freeze to death this year, it sounds like. Now, I don't know that for sure. I'll wait and see. But when you start telling people that they have to reduce their energy and right now they're asking, but there's a good chance they'll make it mandatory to get through the winter because they bought into this stupid climate change, Green New Deal, 
panacea nirvana thing that obviously is blowing up. We can see it. So, of course, the question is, do we want to go down that same road? Um, I doubt it. I mean, I know I don't. And I would doubt when people are educated and understand what this all means that they don't want to either. Quick break. When we come back, some economic news coming your way. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast, creeping up on the 25-year anniversary. That happens in the middle of November. Hard to believe. 25 years. Thanks for everything. Mentioned last week, and just in case you didn't catch it, thank you again. Um, this past year, we won three new uh, awards for the program. So uh, we won... Um, a gold for, or it's, they call it uh, excellence from the communicator awards for Dr. Ben Carson interview. And then um, we won two silver uh, that one was uh, for the interview with Mark Mills from the Manhattan Institute on green energy, getting the truth out there. And then the other one was, um, it was great. It was Freeman Auctions up in Philadelphia. And they had found a a copy, not a copy, one of the originals of the Declaration of Independence in in an attic in Scotland. And anyway, we talked about the journey, making it back here, and they sold it for, I think it was $4.24 million at Freeman's auction. So that was really interesting and lucky you know, enough that we got that award for that. But, of course, you're behind everything. If we didn't have uh, so many good listeners, um, then it, you know, I'd just be uh, talking to myself. <laughs> so, so we look at some economic data. Uh, I, I have to let you know this. Inflation rose more than expected in August. Uh, just continues to squeeze us and our households uh, continues, thank goodness, to create a political headache for Biden and uh, his minions. But the Labor Department came out Tuesday and said that the consumer price index, the CPI, which is a broad measure of the price for everyday goods, you name it, including rents and groceries and gasoline, etc., was up 8.3 percent in August from a year ago. It was supposed to be uh, 8.1. That was the headline figure that economists had forecast. They were wrong. It was higher. It was 8.3%. So just back to this scorching hot inflation that we've been talking about today and we talk about every day. Um, you know, consumers were paying more for everything. This isn't just fancy stuff. Cereal, chicken, milk, fresh vegetables. Shelter cost, that's a big part of the CPI. They're rising at the fastest level we've seen since 1991. So simple math for you. Inflation's up 8.3% year over year in August. What's that do to your real wages? Well, 
again, these crooked politicians spin and say, hey, you know, you got a 5% pay increase. So 8.3% increase in what I have to pay for. Right? So that's why it's such a problem. Also, on the wholesale level, before it gets to us, the producer price index or the PPI, that came in at 8.7%. You look at reports like from the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Luckily, their uh, optimism index rose a little bit. But what do they say? According to their chief economist, Bill Dunkelberg, who's been on the program, the small business economy is still, one, recovering from the virus, while inflation continues to be a serious problem for owners across the nation. These owners of small businesses are managing, trying to manage, the rising costs of utilities, fuel, labor, supplies, materials, rent, inventory, you name it. Really, really hard on the small business owners. And then, of course, you look what's going on in the housing sector. We've talked about a lot of data that's been eroding as far as, you know, those really, really great numbers. And now they're not really so great. Well, guess what happened this week? Mortgage, the 30-year mortgage rate, interest rate, hit 6%. Haven't seen that number since 2008. Remember what happened then? The financial crisis in the housing bubble. So basically what happened in less than a year, it's doubled. 30-year fixed has doubled from where it was before these goofballs started putting policies in place. So what does that mean? Well, it means when you look at their latest numbers, new mortgage loan application volume down 64% from one year ago. The refinancing index down 83.3% compared to one year ago. Nasty, nasty numbers for sure. Um, and by the way, not to, you know, be a bearer of bad news, but just telling you the truth, we have a two-day Fed meeting in a couple days. Rates are going up. Actually, Powell has used some extremely... Uh, forceful language at his last uh, speech. He used the word pain. That means pain for you, pain for the economy, pain for uh, America. Because they're so far behind on this inflation thing. So they're going to crank rates up, probably based on their history, drive the economy into the ground. The question is, how long, how severe? Um, and we'll keep an eye on it for you, no doubt. Let you know what's really going on. But when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking with my guest, Miss um, Aaron Dwinell, and we're going to be talking about another absurdity, but we're going to talk about it. Sanctuary cities, the border crisis, what does it cost? We tie that into this program from a financial and business standpoint because it matters. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute.
It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it. Hope your weekend's going well. And um, as we talked about right before the break, we were going to jump into an extremely important subject. Uh, and that's, of course, what's going on um, at the border, the southern border these days. Um, we talk about it every now and then because it does tie into the world of finance and business and, of course, national security. And we all know that if we don't have national security, you can't have financial security. That's just a fact. So uh, joining me this morning, my guest, Miss Erin Dwinell, and she is a senior research associate on border security and immigration at the Heritage Foundation. So uh, welcome her in. Good morning, Erin. How are you? Good morning, Chris. I'm doing well. Happy to be on. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us. So you know, um, it depending on what your uh, source of information is, some people realize the, uh, the the chaos down at the southern border, and other people um, probably are kind of in the dark about it. But um, as an expert in the area, how have you seen uh, the southern border change since uh, January 2021 when the new administration took place? Absolutely. So I think one of the biggest changes is just the sheer number of illegal immigrants um, coming across the border. Immediately when the Biden administration took office, they uh, undid a lot of policies um, under the last administration that were working to kind of um, slow that flow of illegal immigration across the nation. And as we see more and more illegal immigrants coming in, you know, the highest numbers, uh, record high numbers, we see them spreading throughout the entire country. So instead of this being a border town issue, this is really becoming a national security crisis, um, an economic crisis, a fentanyl crisis across all 50 states. So it's not something that we can, that anybody can ignore anymore, unfortunately. And, and you know, it's very disheartening because uh, that's exactly what has happened uh, coming up on two years now. And you never know uh, what future damage could come from uh, this situation, especially when it comes to national security. Absolutely. Um, there's, you know, high numbers of folks on the terrorist uh, screening database that Border Patrol is encountering or finding out are in the country after the fact. Um so this is just, you know, we can't know when we're not vetting these individuals who come across the border and either encounter Border Patrol or get away. Um, we can't know what kind of folks are coming into the country. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I guess, again, from the, the business standpoint, when we look at um, this massive influx of illegal immigration um, and then you see that right away, 
they're getting uh, certain things like um, whatever, clothes, phones, food, health care if they need it. I don't, I don't even know if they're getting the vaccine, all that kind of stuff. But also the transportation costs for the American taxpayer, whether it's buses, planes, um, you name it. Do we have any idea uh, or can we even wrap our arms around how much this is costing the American taxpayer? Um, So it is costing the average American taxpayer a lot. I can tell you that there are numbers that are coming out every day from um, border states, especially, for example, in Arizona. Um, There's hospitals that are completely overrun. They're spending millions of dollars on health care and emergency room visits for illegal immigrants. Um, And then there's places like New York City. There's places like Chicago. Um, that are spending billions of dollars or millions of dollars in education costs for illegal alien children, um, health care costs. Um, and in New York, for example, $2.1 billion in state funding for unemployment and stimulus benefits um, in just three months for illegal aliens. So, like I said, this is not just a border state issue. Every state across the, across the nation, taxpayers are paying for this border crisis. Yeah, no, well, I'm glad you point that out because that's what we always want to focus on, these, you know, hardworking Americans and paying their taxes. And this is, you know, what they get for it. Um, it's, it's really a, a slap in the face uh, for sure. So um, I guess I'll, I'll ask, I mean, I, I think this is great. That they're sending these illegal immigrants to New York City, Washington, D.C., Chicago, um, you know, you name it. Um, do you think that this is going to be uh, something that is effective in really changing the narrative for this administration? Well, I certainly hope so. If nothing else, I hope that it um, encourages the American people and our elected representatives to double down on putting pressure on this administration to get hold of the border. Um, because a lot of these people, and, you know, I think Martha's Vineyard is the, the latest um, place in the news where Governor DeSantis of Florida has just sent, you know, plane loads of illegal immigrants. So these people um, kind of live in these wealthy elite neighborhoods and ignore the border crisis or even support it in some cases are feeling the effects of it and the costs of it in a way they never have before. So I really hope that as we all wake up to the reality that we're facing, that does um, encourage everyone to pressure the Biden administration to do what's best for the American people. And I, I sure hope that they they listen. Yeah. And, and again, I think this is wonderful because literally, like the, like you mentioned, Martha's Vineyard or whatever, this elitist privilege bubble that they live in just got popped. And I think it's great. And, um, you know, some people could disagree and saying that they're using these people as pawns. Well, number one, they're here without due process. So, you know, you kind of signed up for it, whether you realize it or not. And you're going to have to pay that due um, and, and then get back in line, hopefully, and go through the rule of law and become uh, a, a citizen of this great country. So um, do you see that, you know, other, like you said, and everybody's been saying for quite some time, um, 
every state's a border state. Every city's a border uh, crisis city. Um, do you see it spreading? Like we've named some of the big towns, but is it also going on in small town America? Um, absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's a state that is untouched. Um, a good example, unfortunately, is the Sentinel crisis. Um, we know that fent- the large bulk of Sentinel comes across the U.S.-Mexico border um, and goes throughout our entire country. It's the leading cause of death among 18 to 45-year-old Americans. So um, <laughs> that doesn't discriminate based on somebody's geographic location. That's all across the country. Um, so it, there is no place that's that's untouched at this point by the border crisis. Yeah, again, perfect uh, example of um, of just how dangerous and how multi pronged uh, this crisis is. Like you said, bringing up the fentanyl, um, and uh, it's just terrible. I mean, literally, people are dying every day from overdoses. And you just referenced that age bracket. We talked about that earlier in the program. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and uh, wrap up our conversation with our guest this morning, Miss Erin Dwinell. And uh, she is Senior Research Associate uh, when it comes to border security and immigration at the Heritage Foundation. And uh, we'll get some more of her insight in just a minute. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. Wrapping up our conversation with our guest this morning, Miss Erin Dwinell. And uh, she is a senior research associate on border security and immigration at the Heritage Foundation. Wrote a really good piece this week, Sanctuary Cities, Border Crisis Cost, and a Rude Awakening for the Left. And you can go to heritage.org and uh, just uh, type in or search Aaron and Aaron Dwinell will come up and you can read not only that, but other great pieces uh, that she's done. And we're always thankful to our friends over at the Heritage Foundation for the good, hard, honest work that they do. So um, I guess, Aaron, one of the things that, you know, uh, a lot of people are, well, if they're not curious about it, they should be. And I would assume you have, uh, you know, kind of your finger on the pulse. That comes to uh, Border Patrol. And we know that the last administration literally went and sat down and talked with them uh, before the election and said, what do you want? What do you need? What do we have to do to make things right? And then the last administration embraced that and followed through on it. And now we see that it's it seems like they're totally demoralized and they're doing things administratively that they shouldn't be doing. And that takes them away from securing the border. Is is that kind of what's going on or did I misread it? No, you're right on the money, Chris. I think that's absolutely what's happening. Um, You're right. There's countless stories of completely demoralized Border Patrol agents Um, Border Patrol agents basically saying they put on their uniform and they go to work in the morning and they realize 
they're a part of the biggest human smuggling operation in history because of the country because they're being asked to just kind of process these illegal aliens into the country. They're not being allowed to do their job to stop people at the border, to turn people back. Um, so they are not being allowed to do the work they want to do because their hands are tied by President Biden, by Vice President Harris, by Secretary Mayorkas of the Homeland Security Department. Um, and their funding for Border Patrol under this administration has actually gone up. But the problem is that the funding is going toward, like you said, these administrative processing procedures, right? Just more incentives for these these illegal immigrants to come across the border and basically just be released into the country and be provided with food, shelter, transportation. So they're not uh, being allowed to enforce our nation's immigration laws, even though... <laughs> Of course, this administration has increased funding for everything. Um, it's being used in the completely wrong way. Yeah, for the wrong reasons, absolutely. And that's, that's a shame, too, because, again, we get back to people that get up every morning, take pride in going to work, punching the clock, doing a good job, paying their taxes, living the life that you know they, they're proud of and that they want to live. But then they look at how these uh, tax dollars are spent. Like you said, this is just one example of misuse and of overspending uh, in the wrong area. But I, 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 have you noticed like our, uh, a lot of, like we saw with the uh, law enforcement officials a couple years ago with the whole defund the police thing where you saw a mass ex exodus, uh, exodus and, and, you know, uh, it's hard for them to recruit new good talent. Is that the same thing that the Border Patrol is going through now? Oh, I, th I think so, Chris. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, when you have leadership that doesn't even support the mission um, that you do, um, there's, you know, there's, <laughs> it's no secret that you're going to have difficulty retaining or recruiting um, new agents. Um, and not only do they not support the mission of the Border Patrol, meaning the senior leadership all the way up to the president of the United States, but they actively work against um, these men and women. For example, the whole whipping incident um, that turned out to be a hoax. The president and his administration accused Border Patrol agents on national television of whipping migrants at the border. Um, video and pictures came out and an investigation was launched and that was proven to be completely false. And they have yet to retract their statements. They have yet to issue an apology. So these men and women, good Americans, good taxpayer Americans, wake up in the morning, go to work, and they get slandered by their senior leadership. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine a more demoralizing situation. No, I agree. I feel sorry for them. I mean, I don't know if any are listening in this area or not, but I, God bless you and thank you for the work that you do. I know you're you know, rolling a rock uphill, but... I, I appreciate those that take pride in their job uh, at the CPB and, and try to do a, a good job and, and keep us safe. And like you said, that was all a false narrative and no apology, no, oh, sorry, we got it wrong, um, and, and much less to acknowledge and to be thankful for that expertise of those Border Patrol agents on those highly trained Horses. I mean, they're obviously a big part of border security, and they've been uh, demonized. Absolutely. And, um, you know, those those folks were put on administrative leave or, you know, the entire unit was affected by that. 
and how much good work um, that they could have been doing during that time that just, you know, they weren't allowed to do yet again because of the false narrative of this administration. Yeah, absolutely. It's really a shame. Well, look, folks, uh, we're out of time. I want to encourage you to, again, uh, uh, take some time and read some of uh, Aaron Dwinell's uh, work. You can go to heritage.org. Just uh, type in Erin, E-R-I-N, and her work will come up. And I know she's going to continue to do a lot of good work, so you can follow uh, her there. Erin, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. I was happy to happy to join. Okay, great. You enjoy the rest of your weekend. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the, the, the one that the article that I saw uh, that Aaron did this week, Sanctuary Cities, Border Crisis Cost, and a rude awakening for the left. Um, and like I said, my personal opinion of uh, these illegal aliens being sent to uh, these fancy neighborhoods and these elitist uh, type of places where they have their little country club meetings and cocktail parties and and uh, live in their bubble. Like I said, it's going to get burst. You're going to you're going to live the life of the hardworking American. You're going to see what it's like. So um, uh, we're definitely going to follow that very closely. So that does it for us. Uh, Like I said, we're out of time. Um, I will talk with you uh, on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. We do our business updates, 550, They're live talks, always fun. And uh, then we'll be back here next Saturday uh, for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. Mm-hmm.